want you to open it to Philippians chapter 4. I'm starting a new series today uh, about Christmas, and it's called Travel Light, and uh, about traveling light in life. And I, God is really, I'm, I mean, I can't tell you how much He's been speaking to me about this over the last several months, and uh, it's sort of all coming together at this time. And uh, so it's going to take me about three or four weeks to get through all of it. But um, I want you looking at Philippians chapter 4 uh, in verse 10. I saw a quote. I thought this was really powerful. Uh, on, uh, this was on Black Friday. Everybody know what Black Friday is, right? It's all go buy stuff, right? I get up early. You know, it's a tradition in some homes, not in our home. Um, and, uh, but uh, it made this statement I thought was so powerful. They said, if you're not content already, there's nothing you can buy on Black Friday that will fill that void. There's nothing you could buy on Cyber Monday, Black Friday, that will fill that emptiness. You know, this is what Paul talked about. You know, Philippians is called uh, one of the prison epistles. And he wrote it while he was in prison. I mean, you know, here he is, just like Doc was talking about, he's in prison, it's not a really great situation. And he writes this letter, and in verse 10, he says, he said that I rejoice, this is chapter 4, verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. If you write in your Bible, I'd like you to circle that word content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can, verse 13, do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, it's interesting, this verse 13, that we're familiar with this, 413, because it's quoted quite a bit. It's probably one of those high quote verses, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it really has more to do with what you're going through in life right now, where your life is. And everybody here can admit that you've had times where you've had a lot and times when you had a little. Am I talking to anybody here? You know, when you couldn't, you know, you were just, maybe you just had enough to get by and you couldn't do all the stuff you wanted to be able to do. And uh, then there were times that you had a surplus and you were like, wow, this is really awesome. What do I do with all of that? And, uh, but he's saying that Christ can give us strength in all of that to whatever situation that we're in. To me, this word contentment, it doesn't mean that you know, it's a little difficult here because we think, well, you just, people say you just need to be content. That doesn't mean you don't desire more. It just means that where you are right now, you're thankful for. Thanks for those three grunts. That I'm thankful for where I'm at right now. I'm thankful for what I have in my life and that I'm patient for what's to come. We're not a very patient people. I want you to look at the person next to you and tell him he's talking about you right now. We're just not. I mean, you know, we go to, if we get in the drive-thru, if they don't have our order by the time we get, you know, you just hate hearing them say, could you pull up? 
wait, this is a drive-thru. I'm supposed to get my food fast. It's all supposed to, you know, well, could you pull up? We don't have any fries made right now. What do you mean you don't have any fries made? You should have had them ready for me when I got here, you know. This is fast food, not weight food. My, my one friend says they're going to create eventually a place called Toss a Burger. You call ahead, give them your credit card, you drive by, they throw the burger through the window as you're driving past the store. But we, have to, we are not a very patient people, and we have, to, we have to realize that patience really is rooted into thankfulness. That if we can't find the ability to be thankful for where we are right now, thankful for the money we have now, thankful for the possessions we have now, Thankful for, even though the car may not be the kind of car that we want eventually, we're thankful that we got this car. We're thankful that, you know, that we, the things that we can do in this life, that we're thankful for the country that we live in, the, the freedoms that we have, that we live in that thanksgiving. But it doesn't mean we don't desire more. It just means we're content to be thankful for where my life is today. Someone said, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Sometimes the things that are aggravating us the most are the things that really just don't matter that much. But we let them make a big deal in our life, that we let them upset us. You know, everything in culture screams the opposite. You're really not fulfilled till you have this. you got to be able to do this. You know, Joe and I, we... I, I'm not doing, I won't get, I won't stay long on this. I know Joe's watching, he's traveling to a family Christmas, but, you know, Joe and I, we talk about how, you know, well, we should, and if you bought any of this stuff, please don't, I'm not criticizing. You got to get a Peloton bike if you really want to get in shape. Okay, you're going to drop $2,400 for a Peloton bike. Then you got to pay $39 a month to have that person on the screen yell at you. I'll tell you what, you pay me $39, I'll come to your house and yell at you. How would that be? Okay? That's a good deal, right? I'll do it for less. I'll do it for $30 a month, okay? So you buy a Peloton. And so the image and idea through that whole marketing deal is, is that you're going to look like the person on the bike. But the truth is, if you're not already active, you're not going to look like the person on the bike because the bike is not going to make you more active. Just remember, when it all comes down to it, it's still you. Wow, Pastor, that's awesome. Thank you. But we always think, you know, like, well, if I get, you know, what I got to get is a Bowflex, or I got to get the Ab Buster 5000, or I got to get the, you know, or I got to get this, or I got to get that, or I got to get a gym membership. But, you know, Joe and I, we talk about this a lot, that really all you need to work out is dirt, a rock, and a tree limb, all free. I knew that wouldn't go over well. <laughs> but see, when I, and, and my point is, I don't care whether you have a Peloton bike. If you can afford a Peloton bike, go buy one. Don't go into debt for it. Don't go into debt. It's not worth it, okay? Especially since if you're not already working out and you buy one of those, that eventually all it's going to be is a clothes hanger in your basement. And you'll just be moving it around. Try. And some of you, I know you have workout equipment in your basement. You just kind of, well, where can we move this to that we don't have to look at it? Well, it's by the laundry. Let's move it over here in this corner over here. But see, there's that thinking in our lives that when I get this, 
then I become this. And stuff doesn't make the person. I mean, I, I realize that, you know, look, and I thank you for saying right, but I know we all say that, but yet we still always are looking for the next thing. The next thing we can get, the, 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 the next thing we can add to our lives that really will get us. You know, if I get this Bible, then that Bible will really, man, it'll help me. I'll, I'll grow spiritually. I'll be strong. I'll, I'll be a strong spiritual giant. If I get this worship CD, then I'll really, and if I get this, and if I, but listen, I'm telling you, and you, and you get this in your heart, it isn't, the, it isn't that stuff that's going to get you anywhere. It's you that's going to get you where you need to go. See, the lie, you remember this in the Garden of Eden. Here's Adam and Eve right there. They got everything. They got, I mean, look, they're not thinking about anything. Anything. But what does the enemy do? The serpent comes and says, look, you know, you guys, I, I know you got all the food you want, all the clothes you want. You got all this. They didn't need clothes, obviously, but you got all the stuff, right? You got a beautiful place to live. But uh, the truth is that there's something you don't have that you need. And God doesn't want you to have it. And you got to get it from God. You, he's hiding it from you. And he says this to them. He says, so if you eat from this tree, then you'll have everything you need and you'll be complete. And Adam and Eve, they take, they buy into it. I mean, it's the greatest marketing scheme of all time because the devil has just marketed to them that they could be God, that they don't need God, they can be God. They can make their own, they'll be as wise as God, they'll be as powerful as God, they'll be, they'll, they'll be able to do anything God can do. And so what you need is they, they, they begin, the enemy tricks them, deceives Eve into it, that if you do this, then you'll be this. And it's such a wicked thing because what the enemy did is he used envy to get Adam and Eve to make a bad decision. He used jealousy. God has something you don't have. God has something you don't have. But if you'll do what I tell you to do, you'll get it. And you'll be like God. You know, this envy, this jealousy, of course, they ate from the tree and it destroyed their future. It really did. Adam and Eve's future was destroyed. They had to bury their own son because their future was destroyed. They had to watch their other son go off into the wilderness because their future was destroyed. Their own son fell into the same trap. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of Jude, in verse 6, it says that there is a way of Cain. The way of Cain is a way of envy and jealousy. Cain saw Abel had something that he didn't have. So what did he do? He killed his brother to get it. I, if I get rid of him, then I'll be the only one. If I get rid of him, that'll teach him. See, and it's no different for you and I to think that if I gotta have, I gotta have this so I can be this. You either are who you are or you're not. But nothing in this life can make you what you want to be. 
Nothing. No set of clothes. You know, look, you can get a caddy. I don't know if Cadillac's a big deal anymore. You could go get a Cadillac. You could go buy. I talked to a guy the other day. Uh, he had a, um, uh, it's a, it was a, 25, a Dodge 2500. Um, and I, he said, um, you know, it was brand new, diesel engine, maxed out, you know, all the different stuff. I said, how much you pay for that? You know, if you don't mind me asking, $75,000. Now, look, if you can afford that, I'm all for it. But do you think driving that is going to make you somebody? See, the secret of contentment is saying, no, I'm just thankful for my little 1500 I drive around in. You know how you know you're thankful for something? You take care of it. Right. Now, we can do after church today, we're going out and inspect vehicles. Hmm. <laughs> Won't that be fun? I'm going to look in your back seat, right? I'm open your trunk up. I want to see what's happening in there. I want to see what, you know, is there like stuff growing? Is there a village living back there behind your... Yeah, I mean, is there stuff happening? See, because if you don't take care of what you have, then you're not thankful for it. See, this jealousy and envy thing, it ruined the future that Cain had. That wasn't God's plan for his life. But because he saw something that he wanted and he wasn't content with where he was at that point in his life, he envied his brother. And the way of Cain is he killed him. People do this all the time still today. Somebody gets blessed, they criticize them for being blessed. I don't know who they think they are. Well, they moved into that new house. Well, they bought a new car. Yeah, they're just trying to be somebody. Look, you don't know what's going on with other people. You need to keep your mouth shut. Thanks, Pastor. That was really good. Because I'm going to tell you what, that's going to rob your future. If somebody walked up to you and handed you a million dollars, I'm shouting with you. One, because the tithe is coming here. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that cool? But even if it didn't come here, I'm shouting with you because you're a child of God and God wants you to be blessed. But I'm not going to sit in my home and go, well, God, what about us? What about me? Poor little me. I don't get a million dollars. See, that's envy and that's jealousy and it will be the death of your future. Be content with what you have. Show God you're grateful for what you have by taking care of it and speaking good over it, speaking life over it. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, I know this is heavy. You say, Pastor, I thought we were going to get a pretty Christmas message. This is a pretty Christmas message. You'll have the best Christmas ever if you'll apply the principles I'm talking about in this message. Stuff can't make you happy. Don't let it rob you from your future. Amen. Hallelujah. The world teaches us that what we don't have is what we need to be happy, fulfilled, and complete. God says, be happy, complete with what you have. Not that you don't use your faith to believe for more, but you're happy with where you are. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Luke 12, 15, watch out, Jesus' own words. 
Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So here's a question I want to ask you. What if the stuff you have is robbing you of the life that you really want? What if the stuff that's in our lives is robbing us from the life that we really want? And, and you say, well, that's, that's a hard question. It, it is a hard question, but I think it's always good for us to ask a question like that. Does my stuff control my life, or do I control my stuff? Amen. You know, it's a, they, the, the first point with this is, is that here's a great pathway to, to help your life. Throw stuff away. Throw, throw it away. And like one guy said, don't declutter, de-own. You know, we're good at decluttering. You know, we just move stuff around and organize it. No, just de-own it. Somebody one time said that, go to your closet, turn all the hangers of your clothes a certain direction, and then every time you wear those clothes, turn the hanger the other direction. And any clothes that you haven't worn in the month, get rid of. I didn't think I'd get a lot of amens, but... One guy grunted in the back row. So, yeah, ugh. But get rid of it. Why? Because what it's doing, what does it do? You know, it's, it's, like, it's like anything in our life. You've, you've probably had this happen. I've had it happen. You go to Netflix. You look at Netflix. You're thinking, I'm going to watch a show. And you start going. And what do you do? You think, well, that looks good. Well, wait a minute. No, wait, that looks good. Well, wait, no, that looks good. Well, I better save that for later. No, that looks good. Well, wait, well, what about this? Well, I haven't watched that. Well, what about, you know, what about this one here? I really like to watch. And, and, and so a whole hour goes by, and you're still flipping through Netflix. You haven't watched a thing. And it doesn't have to just be, it could be Hulu. It could be Amazon Prime. It can be whatever, okay? It could be any of those networks that are, those things that are out there. But what do we do? We just uh, we're so busy looking at everything that it hypnotizes us. You know, it's like the old thing I talked to you about with the lion tamer. You know, the lion tamer, the most important tool the lion tamer carries with him isn't the gun that doesn't have bullets in it. It just got, it just sounds loud. It doesn't do anything to the animal. It isn't even the whip because the lion knows he's bigger than the whip. The greatest tool that the enemy, the, the, excuse me, the lion tamer has is the stool. You watch him. He takes a three-legged stool, and he sticks it in front of the lion's face. And the lion doesn't know which leg to look at. So he stares at the whole thing, and it hypnotizes him. That's what a lot of God's people end up like with all their stuff. They're hypnotized by it. Oh, wait, I could watch that. Wait, we could watch that. Wait, well, I could wear this. And then I've even heard people who have closets full of stuff, and you probably heard this from your kids, I don't have anything to wear. What is that? Throw it out. Get rid of stuff. I love the idea. We, you know, when we went through um, and changed our offices and redid the classrooms, man, our dumpsters were filling up fast. But you know, it's hard to let go of stuff, isn't it? It's hard to just throw things out because you're like, you have, there, really, there's two things. One, you think the fear, I might need it. Okay, well, that's baloney because you might not need it. Some of you got stuff you'll never need. And then the other is, is it's sentimental. And this is the greatest sentimental time of year, isn't it? I mean, my house is full of sentimental stuff. Now, I don't mean anything to you, but it means something to me. I go over there, there's something my grandmother had. 
right? Over here, something that belonged to my, 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 my aunt. And then over here, something that belonged to my mom. I got a Santa Claus that, that uh, that's, it's busted, part of it's broke, but I keep it because it was my mom's. I only get it out this time of year, and it sits there, and I look at it, but it's not my mom, but it reminds me of my mom. And guess what? Someday, my kids will look at that, and they'll go, why did Dad keep this? It's broke. Because it has no value to them, right? No sentimental value to them. So this is the big sentimental time. I mean, I have ornaments on our tree that are really, really old and, and you know, and stuff in the house and we have furniture that belongs. Don't they call those places museums? <laughs> we live in a museum. Everything means something, right? I mean, it's, it's something that speaks to us. And, but, but see, we, we can't just declutter it. We've got to de-own stuff. You know, the, the rich young ruler, he really struggled with de-owning his wealth. I mean, he struggled with it. Jesus said, look, all you got to do, just give away what you got. Just go ahead. Just give it all away. You'll be all right. I'll take care of you. You'll have riches in heaven. And, you know, for the rich young ruler, he's thinking, that don't sound like a good deal to me. And it says he walked away, and Jesus was sad because he walked away, because the rich young ruler, when he walked away, it says because he had great wealth. Because stuff became way more important that he thought his future was tied to his stuff and his future was not tied to his stuff. Let me give you a great quote here. You never know what idols you have until Jesus asks you to give them up. Now let's let that set in. You don't know what idols. You know, we love the story about Abraham and Isaac. It's a powerful story, right? Isaac, the, the, the chosen one that was born to, to Abraham, the promised seed. But you know, God asked Abraham to test him to sacrifice Isaac. And I'll tell you why. Because Isaac's 17 years old. He's not a little boy. He's 17 years old according to the timeline of Scripture. Whenever the father said, I want you to sacrifice your son. He wanted him to take his 17-year-old son because, you know why? For 17 years, Abraham hadn't talked to God. Look at your Bible. 17 years, God didn't talk to Abraham. 17 years, Abraham didn't talk to God. See, prior blessings can become today's idols in our life. We can put them above God. We can put something God gave us blessed us with, we can put it at a level that it's above God. And we worship it. We may not say that we worship it, but you know what? That was the most important thing in Abraham's life at that time was his son Isaac. So guess what? God says, I'll take that. What did he learn in the whole lesson? He learned Abraham, of course, God wasn't ever intending that he would lose his son, but what did he learn? He learned that God needs to be first in all things. So the first thing we do whenever we want to get to a place of contentment in our life is throw stuff out, declutter. Don't just declutter, de-own. The second thing is stop buying, buy less. You know that they just came out with this statistic that 62% of people admit to shopping 
to cheer themselves up. I'm depressed, so I need to buy something. Now, you know me, like if I get depressed, I want to eat something. How many of you are like that? Donuts sound really good, you know, when you're depressed. You start thinking of fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and... Listen to this passage out of Psalm 119, verse 36 through 37. Verse 36, cause my heart to bow before your words of wisdom and not to the wealth of this world. Help me to turn my eyes away from illusions so that I pursue only that which is true. That which is true. You know, the truth is, and you know this, that within a year, most of the gifts that we give during the holiday season are forgotten or gone, busted. You know, I'd love to have all the toys I had as a kid given to me, but they're all gone, right? I mean, I had some pretty cool stuff. I had a James Bond car. I love that James. You know, it had everything, Gary. It could do it all. It could fire missiles out of it. You could push a button and a, and a bulletproof shield would pop up in the back of it. I mean, that thing, it had an ejector seat. If you pushed a button, the seat would throw it out. I mean, that was a, it was an Aston Martin, you know, replica. It was a beautiful car, and I loved it. And guess where it is today? It's in a landfill somewhere, exactly. And, you know, you could think of stuff like that. You know, oh, man, this thing. So we, we, have, to, we have to remember that what we're not, we're not trying to create more stuff in our life. We're trying to create great experiences in our life. You know, that's really what people want during the holidays is they just want a great experience. You know, get together with the family. We all laugh. We all talk. We're all not killing each other. We're not, you know, we're not trying to create division in the family. Wouldn't that be the most perfect holiday that it's everybody, no one's drunk, no one's high, everybody's happy, joyful, you know, we all gather around and sing Christmas carols. I mean, you know, whatever. Whatever works for you. But then we're not just thinking about, oh, man, when I, you know, I'm going to get gifts and I'm going to do this and that. The gifts are going to have very little meaning soon after it's all over with. Even for the kids. Choose experiences over things. So, number two, buy less. Number three, and I love this one. Give more. Matthew 6.19 says this, don't lay up for yourselves. God has been saying this to me over and over and over again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your heart is, that is where, where your treasure is, excuse me, that is where your heart will be also. You know, such powerful, powerful words that Jesus speaks to us that we are to not lay up our treasures here in this earth. You know, I'm an investor. I invest, I believe in investing, but I don't lay my stock up in it. I'm a United States citizen, but I do not put my stock in politicians. Can I tell you a secret? And I, I, I want you to get this. I, I'm not going to get on a politics thing here. But the government doesn't control the United States of America. Jesus is Lord. God's got a plan for the United States. 
Always has, always will. So don't ever buy. Do they influence it? Yes, but they're not in charge of it. They're just stewards, not owners. The earth and the fullness thereof are the Lord's. And what belongs to him still belongs to him, except for the fact that he gave authority to men that as we speak his word, the earth would yield forth the things that he has spoken. So I'm not worried. You know, I don't worry about politics. I don't worry about it. I vote. I stay abreast of the facts. I don't worry about the market. Doing really good right now. But I don't worry about it. Do you know why? Because I'm laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt. Amen. And I know that it's there. And nothing can get to it. Devil can't get to it. You know, Philippians tells us in chapter 4 that Paul talks about that you have a heavenly account, that there's an account in heaven that's yours. It's got your name on it. It's got your stuff in it that you've been sowing and how you've been giving, and it's, and it's all there. It's all in heaven. It's all waiting for you there, and it's all part of God's great plan for your life, for you to realize that this stuff here is temporary. That stuff there is eternal. Can I say it like this? This world is not your home. You are in this world, but you are not. Look, you're in it, but you're not of it. You're a different breed. You, I don't care. Look, you you might work in a system where there's people that don't have God in that in that, and you know their principles are not godly. But you are not of this world. You operate by a different economy. You operate by a different economy. You know, when I, when I talk about supernatural increase, remember that when God talked to, um, to Isaac to stay where he was at in Gerar, that famine was in the land. But God is not tied to the economy. Now, you, you say, well, pastor, shouldn't be, we be smart about it? Yeah, we should be smart about all that. But here's what I don't do. Worry about it. I'm not going to be anxious. Look, our, I'm telling you right now, that if we keep paying attention, if we keep letting the stuff of this world work on us, we're all going to end up on anxiety medication. Because you can't help it. It'll just eat at you and keep you awake, and you will be frustrated by it. You'll be frustrated about your future. You won't know whether Social Security will be there for you. You won't know if your pension will be there for you. You won't know what this, that, or the other thing. But I'm telling you that it, in the God's system of economy and God's system of provision, that when you and I, when we lay our treasure up in heaven, we have his guarantee, according to Malachi chapter 3, that he said, put me to the test and see if I won't open the windows of heaven to you and pour out a blessing. He didn't say whether the world was doing good or not. Wish I could get a few more amens. He's going to take care of us. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. Hallelujah. Are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep? Are you investing in heaven that you cannot lose? There's a great book. I was talking about it with a friend of mine this last week called Imagine Heaven. And uh, in this book, just bear with me with this because at first you'll balk at this, okay? In this book, it asks the question, what were your parents' names? And everybody can tell their parents' name. All right? What were your grandparents' names? 
first and last. Just about everybody gets that. What were your great-grandparents' names? You lose about 75% of people at great-grandparents. Anybody know both great-grandparents' names besides Chuck? You know. Okay, anybody else? They still, any of them living? No, okay. Great-great-grandparents. Now, I know there's like heritage, you know, can go through and do all that stuff and get all that. Here's, here's the thing. You're, now, don't get upset at me when I say this. Most of us are only two generations from being forgotten. But man, we think we're the biggest deal in town, don't we? Huh? You know, I'm 61. I'm believing to live it to 100. But, you know, within just a couple of generations, especially after I'm gone, I'll just be a fading memory to those who knew me. But what I did for the kingdom will last forever. Men will forget my name but God will never forget my name. My great-great-grandchildren, I may never get to meet them. I hope I do. They'll know I'm a godly man and that I believe in the principles of the word. But if I don't get to meet them, I'm going to be okay because I know I passed into my kids and into my grandkids the truths that I learned, and that'll pass into. That's all that really matters, isn't it? The eternal stuff that passed from generation to generation. You know, we get all caught up, and we got all this wealth right now. We got all this stuff right now. I look through my house sometimes at 61, at 62, excuse me, and I think, when I'm gone, what are my kids going to do with this? You know, I still have in my basement boxes of basketball trophies. Right? You talk about a museum. I have the Rick Jolliffe basketball museum in my basement. MVP, all league, you know, team captain. I got a huge blanket. I mean, it's like gigantic for being a three-year letterman in college. I, I mean, I've all my high school ones, I still have those. And someday, when I'm gone, my kids are going to take that stuff out to a dumpster And I agree with you, but I can't. Pray for me. How many of you feel that way sometimes? I can't get rid of it. I want to. It's like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I know I need to do it. But God, I love these treasures. They mean something, you know, my precious stuff, you know. And God says, look, when you're gone, I'm telling you right now, and if your kids can't get rid of it, I promise you your grandkids will throw it out, right? None of my clothes will be around. None of that stuff will still be here. You know, I, I have Bibles that belong to my dad, and I, I'm so grateful to have those Bibles, but you know what the truth is? That's not my revelation in those Bibles. That's his revelation. I didn't go through what he went through to write those things in his Bible. So I can't even understand where he's coming from because, you know, to me it just looks like words and thoughts that he had at the particular time. But, you know, if you took it to that moment that he was dealing with it and when he wrote that in there, it really has significance. But I don't have that. 
So I just keep them around, and I probably should get rid of them, but I just, they're treasures, you know. But I'm okay that my kids have to throw all that stuff away. <laughs> Can anybody say amen? amen. I'm not going anywhere, all right? I don't want you to think I'm going anywhere. I just, but I, but, but I think it's so important for us to realize that this is just temporary. And the wealth is just temporary. And this Christmas is just temporary. And we're building a life, not just a few moments. And let's put it into things that have value and are eternal. You know, I want to tell you today, as we're wrapping up, and I want to do one other thing here before we go this morning, and then we don't want to forget about the chairs. And it's early, so we're cool. Um, you know, if you're not serving God with your life, today's a great day to turn it around and begin to lay your treasure up in heaven. See, when we change people's lives, we're laying up treasure in heaven. When we give to a ministry like this, we're, I, and I, I, I want you to understand, I'm not saying it because I want you to give. I'm saying that because it's a fact. It is with great joy that I give my tithe and my offerings to ministries. You know, I was telling Dr. Hood before the service, I said, look, Doc, you know, um, we always bless him. Sharon and I personally do because, you know, we believe in what he's doing. We love him. And he says, you know, I'm just so, you know, honored by your gift. And I says, well, I, as honored as you feel, realize that I feel way better about it than you could ever. Because Jesus taught us it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The eternal things are the only things that matter. I want to see my family in heaven with me. Amen. I mean, I pray every, I put my kids, grandkids before God every, and my wife. I just want to make sure she makes it too. So, <laughs> that every day before the Lord, people that my kids influence, that God, that they're there. And, you know, because to me, that's treasure in heaven. When I give to a ministry, that's treasure in heaven. I may never get a reward here on this earth, but that's okay with me because that's treasure in heaven. So here's my point with this. Don't allow yourself to think that all this wealth of the world, all this stuff in this world is ever going to fill the void that God can fill. Because it can't. The secret to being content is to be thankful and be patient. And I can do it through all things, through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it. Amen? Bow your heads with me just for a moment. Father, I pray today. You know, if you'd say today, Pastor, this really spoke to me today. I just want you to lift a hand up to heaven. We're not calling people out or anything like that, but I just want you to lift a hand to heaven. Father God, I just, right now, we lift our hand to you. God, we just thank you for the eternal things. Lord, this world is so shaky, crazy stuff. Lord, you even said that, Lord, that, that uh, your voice would speak from heaven and the earth would tremble, Lord God. But God, I know when it's trembling, we're going to be standing right in the midst of it with our hands lifted up. God saying, we believe, we trust you, and you are our God of breakthrough. And we thank you for that. Father God, I thank you for your many blessings, Lord God. 
Lord, we are such a blessed people in the United States. We are such a blessed people here in Michigan. You've done so many powerful, wonderful things. Father God, we give you thanks. We thank you for our families. We thank you, God, for our children. We thank you, Lord God, that we have homes. And we thank you, God, that that we have jobs and we have businesses. And opportunity, Lord God, is before us. We thank you, God, that we can drive vehicles down the road, Lord God. We thank you that, uh, Father God, that we have food that's on the table. We thank you, God, that we don't have to live in fear every day of our life, wondering where our next meal's coming from, wondering if we'll have enough to pay the utilities, Lord, wondering if we'll have a home tomorrow, that we can, Lord, in in this great place that we live today, we are a blessed people. Father, may our lives reflect that blessing and thanksgiving and gratitude. And I thank you for it. And all God's people said, amen. So I want to ask you to do me a favor, okay? I have an awesome staff here in the church. Chuck and Carrie and Kathy and, I mean, and uh, Stevie and um, Sonia serves here. Her and Jose, they do the, they do the, um, they not only pastor of the Spanish church, but they clean this place. And you guys are messy, man. They clean your messes up every week. I mean, they're awesome. You know, Chuck has been just such a, such a great help to me this year with all the projects and construction. And you know, a lot of you guys have all, everybody that's put in the time and efforts. But what I'd like to do is uh, just to be a blessing to them. And this, this does not go to me, nor does it go to Sharon, okay? This only goes to that, the staff that I mentioned that I would like to receive an offering here today.